Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me is Tanya Winders. She is currently President and Chief Executive Officer of Allergy and Asthma Network. It's the leading patient advocacy organization dedicated to ending the needless death and suffering due to asthma, allergies, and related conditions. And Tanya, I wanted to bring you on board today, first of all, to welcome you and also to talk about some of these things you see as issues, because clearly we have a healthcare network physicians and other workers who are very involved in trying to do what they can in battling asthma. And I wanted to get your perspective of what you see as some of the barriers. Yes. Well, thank you again for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Certainly, we are concerned because there is 26 million Americans who currently suffer from asthma. And this population, you know, what I think people fail to realize is that they are at risk for death. In fact, 10 people die every day here in the U.S. from asthma. And so while it is a chronic condition that has wonderful treatment, um, there are still numerous barriers that exist for patients. What are some of the barriers as you see them? Well, I think one of the key things is just an understanding that asthma is a chronic condition. And so it's necessary to take daily care of yourself, not only to stay in good health, but also to take your daily controller medications, your inhaled corticosteroids, that most asthmatics are prescribed, and then to always have your quick reliever bronchodilator medications on hand in case you have an asthma flare, because it is such a variable disease and you don't know when you're going to experience those symptoms. Well, when you talk about that, do you think education isn't being done properly? What do you see as the barrier? Well, I think that certainly education is a key uh, barrier. I think also access to medications, Uh, can be a barrier that certainly, uh, as many physicians know, patients, especially in the underserved population, are making difficult choices between paying for their medications and putting food food on the table. And so, again, if we can help to address some of those barriers to access and some of those barriers to proper education and awareness, Um, it really does help patients to get the care that they need and to stay healthy. What are some things you suggest that physicians and other health care providers could do, you know, to help their patients with this? Because obviously one of the big barriers is economic, and that's a concern. Sure. So I think that it's very important for physicians to understand that asthma being a chronic condition, it is a journey for patients. And so connecting them with the support system, equipping them with tools that they can utilize to get their medications at a reduced cost is very important. At the Allergy and Asthma Network, we actually have a prescription assistance program that can help across all medications, but specifically those for asthma and allergy have deeper discounts. So I think that by uh, connecting their patients with a community of support, of asthma educators, community health workers, and advocacy groups such as ours, Um, It it certainly helps to support patients along that journey. Now, clearly there are, you know, obviously people who don't understand how to take the medications or what they're for, and sometimes they're not even prescribed perhaps the way they should be by physicians, you know, maybe giving a a long-acting medication when they should or a short-acting or some combination. What do you suggest as far as education? What are the best ways you see for consumers to learn all they can? that, again, it is uh, engaging patients in a way that's meaningful to them. So it's not just giving them their medication and saying, this is your treatment plan. This is the medication that you take. It's explaining why it's important to take that medication and what will happen if, in fact, they don't have access to that medication. Uh, I think that, secondly, it's communicating that in a way that is meaningful and impactful to that patient. 
And so, again, understanding that the average health literacy and reading comprehension level is around a sixth grade level is very important. In fact, we publish a magazine uh, that is all medically reviewed for accuracy by subspecialists, but is written on that sixth grade reading comprehension level so that all patients and people can understand and comprehend um, those medical conditions more so. You know, a lot of people talk about education being one of the big uh, ways we can improve treatment for patients and trying to do it. Um, what other tools do you see, anything video-wise or uh, podcasts, those sorts of things that you guys recommend? Yeah, so one of the most common things specifically with asthma is improper inhaler technique because most patients, again, have at least one, sometimes two inhalers that they're uh, prescribed. And so we have videos that actually will provide them with the training to use their uh, inhalers correctly, but then also will provide a mechanism for them to actually demonstrate their inhaler use and give that positive reinforcement and feedback if they're doing it correctly or that correction if there are things that need to be altered. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. My guest is Tanya Winders. And Tanya, um, where can people find out the information you're talking about as far as uh, where to reach out uh, on the web or other places? So you can actually reach us at www.aanamazonnancyamazonmaryaa.org and my.org, or you can give us a call at 1-800-878-4403. We have a 24-hour nurse helpline that's here to support patients with asthma. Of course, one of the issues that's been talked about a great bit is enterovirus D68. It, it's been in, obviously in the news, and we've heard about it as it's moved along in the country. It's one of Many strains of enterovirus, probably over 100, but it certainly got a great deal of attention, and parents certainly were on edge about their children's health because of this respiratory illness, the symptoms that resemble a common cold, but sometimes it can actually get far more serious than that. What have you been doing as far as education in that area? So we have been very hyper-focused on this enterovirus, and specifically that at-risk population for those who uh, have respiratory disease, asthma specifically. We know that a number of deaths actually occurred because of that exposure to the enterovirus and the complications for those patients with asthma. And so what we've done is actually employed a multi-channel approach to getting the word out and to reinforcing the need, again, to speak with your physician, to be aware and prepared to respond to your own body and to your own needs when it comes to your respiratory condition. Take your daily controller medications, have your quick reliever on hand just in case you're experiencing that severity of symptoms. And if you begin to have those effects of a virus that last longer than a few days or worsens very quickly, to be sure that you're accessing care with your primary care physician or your subspecialist. One of the things I did a story on several years ago, and I'm, I'm liking, I hope at least it's been corrected to some extent, was the fact that many of the inhalers were the same color, they looked alike, they, they could be an anticholinergic or maybe some form yeah. of albuterol or whatever, and they looked very much alike. Has that changed? Because I remember there was a bit of an uproar that people were sometimes turning to the wrong inhaler. Yes. Well, unfortunately, we still see that happen frequently because although they have uh, employed some differences and there are certainly some colors and things that have changed to reflect that difference, 
inhalers still are confusing. And again, patients receive very little education awareness in that initial office visit, and they're reeling and overwhelmed by just that diagnosis of asthma. And so I think it's important, again, to have ongoing conversations, to ask patients to bring their medication to every visit, and to reinforce which medication is used for what purpose. Because again, it's, it's often confused to get that sick reliever versus that controller medication confused. I'm always interested in why people choose different areas of interest. And clearly, uh, you have this area as an area of interest and in trying to do some very good work. Um, what got you involved? Because I know you've been working over 15 yeah. years in this arena. Well, originally, uh, it, it was my professional career choice to be in the industry and, and to work with several pharmaceutical device and diagnostic companies. Subsequently, though, at the same time, I began having my own family. I'm the mother of five, and four of them actually have allergies and or asthma. And so it's interesting how both uh, my personal and professional journeys have intersected into leading the Allergy and Asthma Network. Does that help you in guiding and talking to other people, you know, having lived it, you know, being with a child, I'm sure, at 3.15 or 4 o'clock in the morning and watching them struggle for breath, those sorts of things? I believe it does. I think that there's nothing better than having that own personal experience and being able to relate and connect to someone at that, you know, very fundamental foundational level. I think that it also helps me in, in recognizing um, even as a highly educated an engaged person who knows this space so well, how sometimes life gets in the way. And dealing with a chronic condition, um, you know, it's easy to sort of day-to-day take your eye off the ball, if you will, and, and to, you know, before you know it, get into a situation where your child is not as well-controlled or not having that uh, full normal activity um, due to their asthma symptoms. So I think just understanding that reality of what is a perfect world according to the guidelines versus what is the reality that people face every day is really um, a key insight. In talking to you, and, and we usually have a lot of healthcare experts of different different sorts come on the program, people written books, people are in care, those sorts of things. But in talking to you, this is an interesting uh, approach because not only are you uh, serving in an expert role, but you also are, in a sense, a patient, a mother of four children with asthma. Tell me what you saw as the strengths and weaknesses in the healthcare system from your perspective. Because again, you got a lot of physicians who are listening who might be interested just to hear your perspective of where you think things could have been done better or maybe things that were done well? Sure. Well, I think that certainly it was very important for us early on to get an appropriate diagnosis, and we certainly did that under the care of our primary care physician and our pediatrician. So getting that appropriate diagnosis we know is the first step, right, to um, a successful journey. I think that secondly, uh, it is understanding that why behind the what. And I, again, credit our primary care physician, our pediatrician, with really explaining to us why it was so important to take that daily controller medication and to have access to that bronchodilator, that quick reliever. Uh, I think that the other thing is our physician did a wonderful job of connecting us with a community and a support system. Now, when I think about things that could have been done differently or better, I think that um, certainly ensuring that we bring our medications to every appointment and and asking and, and specifically saying what are some of the challenges and and talking not only about the rules of two and are you waking up with symptoms and all the things that, again, as clinicians we, we know, uh, but 
really engaging the patient of, are you limiting your exercise? Are you participating fully in, you know, social activities? All of the things that really um, are quality of life issues, quite honestly, that I think sometimes due to the limitations of time and um, circumstance, we're not always engaging effectively. And what do you see as the biggest barriers that could lead to severe problems? I mean, something that literally, as you say, we talk about it, could lead to uh, a child getting extremely ill or even succumbing to the condition. So I think that probably the primary thing that we see is that individuals do not understand the variability of asthma. They don't understand that equally there are deaths between mild, moderate, and severe asthmatics that uh, by very definition, the disease is one of great variability. And so I think that by fully understanding that and giving it the respect and the attention that's needed is really the first step. So you have to really look at it and understand it and be educated to that point as well. We're, we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you, we talked about a lot of things, but is there an issue or something you wanted to bring up that I didn't ask you about that you thought was important? You know, I think that uh, one of the key things that I would say is in the physician community specifically, we are working very closely with the American Academy of Pediatrics, as well as with the uh, convenient care clinics, the Walgreens, CVS, those type of things, and the American Academy of Family Practice to support the physician community. So we offer free complimentary memberships where we will provide patient education materials that, again, are medically reviewed and accurate, but patient-friendly. And so understanding that there are resources out there that you don't have to um, incur a great expense and that there are those resources such as our nurse helpline to help those patients that are not having those optimal health outcomes. And that's something that we're very proud of and have had a long 30-year history of providing for the community and that we're, you know, continuing every day to be focused on. I think another area would be just access to medications. And for us, one of the key areas has been access to allow students to self-carry their albuterol inhalers in school. And so we've actually passed, work to pass legislation in all 50 states that now allow students that right. Because we know that in the event of a flare, it's very important that students have immediate access to that medication. Tanya Winders is president and CEO of the Allergy and Asthma Network. That's the leading patient advocacy organization dedicated to dealing with asthma, allergies, and related conditions. I'm afraid we've run out of time, but Tanya, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any or part of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash primary care today to download the podcast and learn more on the series. Thanks again for listening.